This week's Sonic Talk, Avid sells M-Audio and Air software to Newmark. What does it all mean? Android starts to look serious for audio apps, Cool thinks so. And Bitwig approaches Beta and is looking good for Linux. And let's see what's possible with an 8-foot modular system. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha. Please do check out the compact digital mixing console 01V96i with a 16IO USB, 40 mix channels and a whole bunch more. And by Mac Pro Video. Online video training in DAW and other audio software matters. Please visit sonicstate.com forward slash MPV and save up to 20%. That is sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 273. This is live today on Wednesday, the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. If I had some fireworks to let off and stuff, I would, but I don't. And I don't because I'm inside and that would be foolhardy and dangerous. Rich Hilton is with us this week and we're struggling with his bandwidth. But bizarrely, Rich is actually here in the UK. Let's see if we can get Rich to uh, to respond. We might have to do a video only uh uh, sorry, an audio only with Rich, but I'll, I'll let's get him quick because I know he's got limited time and also um, limited bandwidth. <laughs> so, how are you, Rich? You well? Very well, thank you. Where are you? Um, uh, uh, let's see, what's this place called? <laughs> London. Uh, Brentford, Bradford. Uh, where, where am I? Brentford, gonna... probably. Where's the gig? The gig is at Kew Gardens, the Royal Botanical Gardens. Oh wow, that sounds awesome. That's going to be brilliant. I'm looking forward to it, yeah. So you're currently on a tour of England's um, rainy hotspots, no doubt. You enjoy it's, Well, night before last, we were in Ibiza in Spain. Wow. Were you a phone party or were you just uh, just playing the uh, uh, regular kind of gig? We were opening a uh, festival show for Sting. Oh, wow. Yes, I saw you tweet about that. How was that? How is Sting? I haven't spoken to him for ages myself. It was great fun uh, playing. I didn't see Sting's show. Ah, back I did the... see him backstage briefly and wished him a good show. Oh, excellent. To which he somewhat grudgingly acknowledged some small degree of politeness. <laughs> <laughs> How very diplomatically put. Sting was stung by Sting. No, I wouldn't say that. He did He did. Say thanks, but he kind of looked back like, "Who is this wanker?" And well, then, uh, maybe, maybe he, maybe he doesn't do a lot of gigs, does he? Maybe he's nervous. He might be a nervous gigger kind of guy. Oh, I don't think he's. I don't think he's nervous. Bored. <laughs> he bored. didn't look nervous to me. Oh, right. Okay. Just uh, bored and uh, didn't want to be there. He, maybe he's a prime candidate for one of those people who can just do the holographic gig from his living room and nip back and start watching EastEnders when when the gig's over. That's probably what know. it is. I don't know about any of that. I mean, I did get to meet his drummer Vince Caliuta, who I'm a big fan of and uh yeah you know play- it's very nice it's very nice venue very nice site and uh we had a great show there and Excellent. i've never been there before so it and it fun. wasn't and it wasn't raining of course which is <laughs> always a plus and now you're back at kew gardens um where i believe it probably is raining um if- no it's sunny out right now no way cloudy but sunny I well, I suppose they're playing in Wimbledon because I've been trying to watch the Andy Murray match that is currently um, going on. And who, if anyone's interested, last time I looked, he was five three down to Ferrer in the first set, but uh, was actually um, 
looking like he might come back and get a bit more uh, a bit more into the match. But anyway, I digress. Anyway, Rich Hilton, thank you very much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you. And uh, I know you're going to be whisked off to start gigging or sound checking any second. So I'll move on quickly and, uh, and introduce the rest and then we can get on with the topics. How about that? Seems like a reasonable idea. Good. Right. Uh, well, we'll get you, Gaz Williams, because you are somewhere in North Wales in a conservatory where it's also raining. <laughs> um, but we're welcome, welcome well, aboard, Gaz. Thanks for thanks for joining us. I can't hear it. Actually, it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's actually stopped raining for the moment. But, uh, well, we, it is we quite are... loud. In, it is quite loud anyway when it rains. So I might have to. Uh, I'm not sure. I might have to vacate if it is uh, if it gets too much. Uh, but I'm, yeah, I'm in a place called Deganwy in North Wales. It's, uh, I'm visiting my parents. So, right. Um, okay. Gaz Williams, of course, our singer, songwriter, producer, bass player. Uh, songsurgeon.co.uk is where you can find him. Also, just back from his uh, triumphant Paris yeah. gig, where he was uh, <laughs> he was an integral, pivotal part of the uh, legendary rock opera Popea. Uh, <laughs> still coming down from that, no doubt, because I can't imagine you get many gigs these days where you get to dress glam and be a pop star for a week with all of that kind of stuff um, but well, without yeah. actually having to tour woohoo mm. who can say anyway <laughs> but uh yeah it's um yes yeah, yes yeah, it's good to be back it's good to be back but anyway, uh even though um, you have to do your own washing <laughs> yeah uh, uh what was i gonna say the um yeah it's very hot in this conservatory actually <laughs> okay anyway. uh, well i want to um uh, anyway, but I wanted to say thank you for joining us, and I will quickly go on to uh, Dave Spears. Also, uh, where are you, Dave? You're there somewhere. Yeah, Dave Spears, G4 here. Software. Uh, welcome. Uh, oh, where well, there he is? There's your lower third there, Dave Spears, who doesn't have any trouble at all with his white balance. He's just looking as uh, studio oh, ba- studio. Oh no, you've got brown. You've you've gone brown. You've been on holiday as well, right? Yep, out to Mallorca. Which was very nice, apart from the fact that I forgot my driving license and Louise had to drive for the first couple of days, so that was a bit stressy. And then I had to get the DVLA to fax my license to the Avis car hire office oh. so that I could drive a little Audi A1. Uh, so that was good, but I'll tell you what I did read, uh, and it seems that Rich has disappeared, but I've already told him about it anyway. I read Nile Rogers' um, autobiography, which is absolutely blinding. So I think it's probably the best one I've read for a long, long, long time. Oh, really? Oh, I must, yeah. must try that out. Yeah, very honest, very candid, very amusing, and yeah, good, very good. Cool. Uh, yes, uh, you are right. We have lost Rich. Um, just to introduce uh, an element of chance to the show, um, we tried Rich. Um, he's between sound check and uh, gig, where he's playing with Chic in Kew Gardens. So he's actually in the UK, and the internet's so crappy that he can't actually hear what we're saying. So um, once again, I'm very sorry that Rich couldn't make it, but uh, appreciate him trying it out. So apologies to our listeners who are looking forward to his, his wise words. But anyway, um, wise words indeed are probably something that we're going to require because um, the first and biggest news, really, of the week is that... Uh, Avid have sold M Audio and Air Music Group Air Software Group to Newmark Stroke Akai Stroke Alesis, etc. In fact, uh, Jack O'Donnell, who owns all of those brands, has now uh, has started a new company called In Music, where he's, you know, to sort of sh- to umbrella them all. So now they've got this kind of giant brand hanger, <laughs> which includes M Audio and Air Music, which are which is quite interesting. So there's an en- enormous amount of, um, of of change. I mean, that is 
two of the sort of possibly the biggest players in certainly our sector in terms of kind of mid to high end uh, audio stuff and and low end I guess as well have kind of exchanged shares or whatever it is they've done I don't know how much they paid for that but it's a fairly big piece of news isn't it and I know do you know how much it was 17 million dollars and yet is that all they bought yeah. didn't, didn't have yeah. buy them audio for they 174 paid, uh, yeah 174 million dollars plus then i think about a year later they bought pinnacle for about 400 and of course pinnacle's gone as part of it as well so they've basically taken about half a billion dollars and turned it into 17 million dollars that's pretty good going it's it's that classic old adage isn't it how do you make a million quid in the music business start with two except these guys are obviously from the uh latest fancy business school so they've done it slightly differently yeah start with 10 million (laughs) and end up with one yeah wow that is uh yeah, that is kind of a bit of a when you when you look at I mean there are some sort of uninteresting and unfortunate business aspects to this high side of things. I think perhaps to begin with, maybe we should concentrate on the positive side of things just to sort of see if we can find any. Presumably, I have been speaking to various people um, about the takeover, and I know um, that. Uh, in terms of the sort of Newmar Akai side of things, it's got a lot uh, of interesting. Um, a lot of interesting ramifications because uh, in music, uh, Peter Kern over at Digital Music did some has done a couple of Q and A's with various people. Uh, one uh, one of the people was uh, in music, and they were saying that they were kind of really quite excited because there's a lot of interesting stuff coming on stream that will be a, they'll be able to kind of incorporate and you know cross pollinate and all of that stuff from both M Audio and the new brands that they've got. And Air, the Air Music Group Software Group, are a very smart pe- bunch of people. Um, so there are potentially some positives there. Gaz, how do you see it? Well, firstly, I just want to say I'm just really sad to hear about Sibelius being killed off, you know, or, or certainly so, you know, closed down in Britain, um, which I think is a great shame. It's one of these awful things about capitalism, isn't it? Sort of, you know, just buy, 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 and then just, you know, taking a great company like Sibelius, who's, you know, come up with a great piece of software and now, you know, just, yeah, I mean, they've been going know. for a very long time, haven't they? I know. I, I just, I've got a very good friend who works for them. I, I, uh, I would like to point out that Sibelius have not been closed down. They're being kept by Avid, but as part yeah. of that, there's a lot of cuts that Avid are making because essentially, right. I, I wasn't going to talk about the business side of it but uh, yet, but uh-huh. I think actually the bottom line is, you know, from the numbers that they're saying mm-hmm. is uh, they make about six, $700 million turnover. Mm-hmm. 90 million of which were contributed to by the kind of consumer, more consumer side of things. So it made sense for them. You know, they, they're making all their money out of uh, uh, the uh, whatever the the, the, non, the NLE um, di- audio, sorry, the, the video editing side of things and Pro Tools and the kind of live reinforcement, all of that stuff. So the consumer stuff is just is is, is what about 30 percent of the company. So they and they need to kill about 20 percent to kind of make uh, make sense for their numbers mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But Sibelius is they're closing some Sibelius offices. So there's not going to be that many people left working on it. That's true. Well, I think from what I read, it was like they're closing down the UK branch of Sibelius and as far as I was aware that it was an entirely British piece of software so I'm not sure quite where that leaves it yeah uh but yeah sad news really uh, certainly for the employers there employees there sure. um yeah I thought it was very interesting this because uh, I remember uh 10 years ago M-Audio were the biggest musical instrument manufacturer in the world weren't they on biggest uh um what uh 
they were doing extremely well and had lots of lots of lines and were kind of top you know they they yeah. caught they pretty much kind of took the controller market and and you know they were the controller yeah. keyboards and audio yeah. interfaces they were really kind of rocking on that stuff they definitely. were very very fast to embrace usb um and uh, I remember I had a audiophile 2496 card a long time ago. Uh, it was brilliant, brilliant for the money. So, you know, I, I had great respect for M-Audio. And then when they got bought out, I just thought that their mojo went. They, I don't know, as a company, they didn't really seem to be the same anymore. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, like I'm, I'm interested to see what will happen now. It will, um, it will be interesting. I mean, I think the, the, the thing about Avid is they seem to be more suited to this kind of high-end corporate environment you know that's the culture that has prevailed or you know once they've taken over these brands and that maybe doesn't suit some of the uh i'm being as diplomatic as i can be here yeah. suit some of the kind of more funky uh musical instrument and kind of you know creative types you know the, mm. a lot of what they're dealing with are very high budget operations where they're talking the same kind of language as the upper mm. management so it makes sense for them to focus on that i guess but yeah it, it is a sad business i mean i remember midi man i've still got a midi man keyboard at home the oxygen eight you know there was the, they were the first small midi controllers that can you know you can still get the oxygen range but the other thing that's quite interesting is, you know, they don't seem to actually be. They though M Audio has come on board, there don't actually seem to be any people left at M Audio who make stuff. I mean, there's very few. Um, they just they outsource so much. Yeah, I mean, there used to be a lot of people working at M Audio. Sorry, I'll come back to you there, um, Dave. Uh, and now, you know, there aren't actually quite so many. You know, a lot, a lot of the engineers and people have left over the years since since they were acquired because they, I guess, they were surplus or you know didn't fit in with the, their plans. So they've been sort of spread far and wide. I think some of the few left are, uh, I forget the name of the chap who did the Venom. Um, I think he's still an M-Audio employee and hopefully he'll have a place because he's a very, very smart guy. And, you know, the Venom deserves a little more uh, love, I think, because uh, it's a great sounding synth and of various other people. Um, so, I mean, on the positive side, I mean, there's got to be something positive out of this day before we kind of start giving Avid any kind of kicking. I mean, I wouldn't want to <laughs> have to, in the interests of balance, obviously. Oh, it's it's probably all positive. I, I completely agree with Gaz in that. I mean, don't forget, we had a sort of worldwide distribution deal with that, with M-Audio just at the time that Digi acquired them. So this is going back to 2005. And as part of that deal... There was a huge earn out, you know, massive amount of sales had to be made as part of the acquisition by Digi uh, in order that Tim Ryan, the Emerald, uh, the Midi Man founder, MLDA founder, walked away with his uh, magic sum of money. And it was at that moment, it was shortly after that, that in my opinion, they began to flog the workforce to death. The, you know, the good guys then started to really leave. It was like kind of... In, on some cases, it was like uh, flies deserting a dying dog, mm. uh, fleas deserting a dying dog. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think anything that takes any of that away from, I don't, you all know, and this is a personal opinion, I don't subscribe to any of this kind of Harvard Business School nonsense. It all seems to me to be a license to uh, extract the most out of a company. So I think anything that extracts it out of those guys has and puts it into the hands of people who understand the music business 
above and beyond business school. Yeah, well, it's interesting because New, uh, Newmark, you know, the, Jack O'Donnell, sort of this enigmatic character, who who is in some ways there are parallels between him and Uli Berenger because they are this these sort of totems that run the company for, as a personality-led thing with a very strong idea and vision, which I think is probably the way to go. Even though you know it creates some operational issues because people you know wait to hear what the boss thinks about you know what colour pens they're going to use today or whatever that you know on that level, you still mm. got a very clear leadership. And I think when you start getting into this whole sort of SAP run stuff, it all gets very, very difficult to trace and people just don't know what the hell's going on. And I think and the one might... thing I really love about the music industry is that it's almost the kind of last place where you can get these sort of maverick type people, these kind of figurehead people who are, you know, could, can be a little bit dictatorial, but are actually, you know, largely respected amongst employees and stuff. And sometimes when you get people like that who kind of vanish or once companies are bought out and then acquired for huge sums of money. I mean, have you seen the bonuses on that whole yeah, ad that, thing? That, that was, yeah, there's, there are some issues uh, that they've just come up. Yeah, the, I mean, I Dave Robinson put an interesting thing up on Facebook saying, so, you know, 360 people laid off and yet the, uh, what was it, 13 million in executive compensation? It does seem like it's a bit out of step with the, uh, the public... Uh, the public spirit on such matters. I mean, certainly in the UK, I don't know what's happening in the US about bonuses for fat cat bosses and all that sort of stuff. I mean, whether that's true, it still it, it leaves a bad taste. And it's a, it is like you say, Gaz. It's the unac- can be seen as the unacceptable face of capitalism. And in a business of art like ours, where it's about creativity and personality, it just doesn't really. It's not in step, or it feels like it's not. I mean, I'm sure. You know, you could look at it from the other point where if you are a strict business person, you come in and it's like some some bloke with a great personality and a few ideas who's got lucky with a product but has no idea how to run a business. You'd be thinking, oh, my God, what a nightmare. It's one of those kind of bits. Do you see what I mean? They're, they're just two diametrically opposed points of view, I think, as far as I can tell. It's fine. I've seen it with a couple of companies in that, you know, once – I mean, we are in tight times, and I think once those kind of times take hold – there is this culture of no one wanting to put their head above the parapet yeah. for fear of it being yeah. wrong. And then obviously bosses demand that you do exactly what they say without any question. So if something's wrong intrinsically, then it just snowballs out of control. You've just got a load of people all going, I don't agree with it. Well, I, I'm, from our point of view, that thing does happen, you know, because we're dealing with people and we pitch an idea, you know, or advertising and, and, and we can't get any answers because nobody is prepared to say, yeah, that's great. Let's do it. You know, unless it is the boss or unless they're very close to it already have pre-approved. And that's that's frustrating, you know, that you don't get that kind of stuff. And that's one thing I love about working in small teams, you know, because mm-hmm. we could just go, yeah, let's do it. Or, you know, and it at least has, you know, some sort of point to it. But yeah, it's it's very difficult. It's all, Completely. these times are always going to be painful. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff moving around at the moment. We had today there was news of another um, music retailer going down in the UK. So, I mean, you know, the summer is always when this is going to happen because traditionally that's not when people spend lots of money because uh, <laughs> at least if they're not in the UK, outside in the sun having fun. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah, was that? Who, which, which retailer was that then, Nick? Uh, hard to find. Right, okay. I, uh, this, oh, can yeah. I just say, the thing I'm curious now about with uh, in music, um, now they've got... Newmark and Akai, and there's quite a kind of clear difference between those two. There's an overlap, but you know, 
uh, the um, new Mac is definitely all aimed at DJ yeah, sure. uh, and the like, uh, whereas Akai tends to be more about the music. Uh, although, you know, Controllers with the NPC, there's thing, a little yeah. crossover there. But now it seems like the way that Akai have moved into sort of like controllers and, and, and the like is very much into a very similar area, oh, and on the audio interfaces, of course, almost into an identical area of operation as M-Audio. So I'm curious as to sort of How's whether... Hmm. M Audio will, you know, what what will be the sort of brand identity of those different uh, companies, you know, because uh, it seems to me that Akai just seem to be really, you know, you know, in, increasing their product range um, quite dramatically and into guitar pedals and well, I know they've done guitar pedals. For yeah, a while, well, but... no, I, I agree. I mean, you, on the outside, you would think that doesn't make sense, and there's going to be some uh, there are going to be some casualties in product lines. I mean, there's bound to be because there are going to be some some things, isn't it? I mean, there's kind of but um, according to in music, uh, they're not really concerned about the overlap. You know, that the, the products they'll be able to create more distinct lines and price points. You know, and be able to kind of you know make things there. I mean, one of the things that um, I was talking to somebody a couple of days ago about was you know where Avid failed to capitalize on the M audio uh, the new mark kind of or the in music will be able to because they've got a much better handle on distribution and also the ability to kind of to make these things more cost effectively so drive a much harder bargain at the manufacturing end so ultimately these pro- the prices are probably going to move around quite a bit in these ranges because certainly in the M audio side of things I don't know about air music because that's software's a kind of fixed cost but the, the in terms of manufacture, they'll be able to drive the bottom line, bottom line down, and kind of so therefore M Audio stuff might actually come down a bit in price because it was starting to get more and more expensive. Because if you don't, I don't remember, it used to be really quite not cheap in in the bad sense, but cheap yeah. as in low cost, and now it's been creeping up and up. So you know maybe that's going to be a really good thing. Yeah, no, I've no doubt. But it you... can't it can't be worse than where it is. In fact, can I just say to conclude my opinion? I don't think the Avid executives, and this is my own personal opinion, I don't think the Avid executives have found the right vehicle for their talents. <laughs> and perhaps I could suggest a hearse. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure there are a lot. I mean, I only have, you know, because you know, we deal with people at Avid and we've got long term contacts there. One of my oldest, you know, acquaintances in Bath is is there and i hope they're all safe and kind of the fact that this consolidation has happened means that it's better and everything's clearer because it has been a little bit murky to figure out what who does what and what's happening so i hope that's it's all there are good things going on and that would be brilliant you know because then everybody knows where they are but uh, uh, and i'm hoping that you know even though they're making these lots of cost cuts that a lot of those people are absorbed into this into the in music company rather than just being kicked out on the street because it's a lot more brutal certainly in the US in terms of employment you can just fire people and that's that really apart from executives who you have to pay an enormous amount of money so uh, if you want to sack them go figure that works over here too I don't really understand how that uh, (laughs) how that works but anyway I mean suffice to say there's a lot of uh, there's going to be a lot of changes happening and I really hope that in music can make the most of it and 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 not end up being seen as a bad guy for having to kind of rationalize what what a mess it appears Avid have made of those two things. Right. Um, I think I might do an ad now because uh, um, that would be good because it's about half past four and uh, about halfway through the show. So I just want to say thank you very much to uh, our sponsors who are Yamaha. Yamaha would like to tell you about the O1V96i. This is the uh, 
compact digital mixer, which I have actually just recently reviewed and was very impressed. I mean, as you know, I do enjoy the Yamaha digital console range. They've got such a long legacy of making these things. They sort of know how to do it right, as far as I'm concerned. And in this particular model, you get 16 in, 16 out, USB 2 recording interface at 24-bit 96K across 16 streams. I'm not kidding. And that what's really cool about that is you can patch those 16 IOs as insert points, effects sends, bus inserts, all sorts of things, as well as just a straight in and out of your computer. Uh, refined studio quality head amps, uh, which I thought sounded really good as well on the ribbon mic that we use here. Just very low noise and a good full range of frequency. Full suite of VCM effects, master strip, channel strip, vintage stomp effects, RevX, reverb, uh, EQs, compressors, that kind of thing, which you can run as inserts as well as effects sends. 40 mixing channels, 32 mono, 4 stereo, 16 analog and 8 digital outs. ADAP as standard, so you get 8 ADAT IO as standard, and you still have a YGDAI slot available for any of the other IO options. 8 auxes, 8 buses, uh, 4 effects simultaneously, mono channel, each channel, in fact, or mono channel, pr provides 4 band EQ, compressor and gate. Uh, it comes with Cubase AI, advanced door support, so you've got a MIDI control layer as well. And you can cascade a couple of them together if 40 channels isn't enough, so you can have a super uber mixing console anyway we do like you to check them out if you go to a pulse store in the uk uh, that's a store within a store uh, that has yamaha store in it uh, you can check one out and maybe take um you know take a, a thumb drive along record some audio see what it sounds like I, I think you'll find that you know it it really does live up to expectations i certainly would uh, would love to have held on to this one but sadly um we don't have the money and uh, we've already got a dm1000 but that's another matter and so if you're in the US, try one of the larger dealers. Uh, if you want to find out more, we've got a bit.ly URL, which if you're watching the video version of the show, will be sh displaying now. But otherwise, it's bit.ly slash 01v96i. That's bit.ly slash 01v96i. Once again, we thank Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Right. So what is next? Let's see. Uh, I have... Um, Ah, yes, the Android thing. This is kind of interesting. In fact, I might start with this video because this kind of will ex will show what's going on. It's it's a kind of I'm rolling two topics into one. So here it comes. Oh no, that's not it. That's not it either. I keep forgetting that I've actually got it on a web page. Let's try that again. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> I tell you what it is. I moved. The screen, I usually have a screen over here and the camera's pointing at me over here and the mouse is here and I've moved it all up here so I don't have to move that monitor into this position. So everything's a little bit out of whack for me, so I'm sorry about that. But let's try it again. This is uh, something that Engadget shot at the recent Google I.O. conference. Hi, it's Miriam with Engadget. I'm here with Jeff of Misalu, who's going to show us the official Poly6 Korg app for the Misalu. All right, so we have Korg's uh, porting of the Poly 6, uh, which is their famous uh, 80s synthesizer. Uh, they've done a This is running on Android, uh, by the way. Uh, this is Misalu runs an Android uh, OS engine. Same, uh, it looks like a fairly interesting and cool filter. kind of Combined uh, uh, musical. It looks like the it's like the um, Yamaha CX5, but kind of more advanced, uh, and, and obviously sounds, um, 20 years uh, later on. Four banks of eight sounds, and uh, Let's see if I can find it making some noise. Oh, yeah, sure. So we've got a lead sound that's using the unison parameters. So and touch strain as well. So you get access all those controls, which is kind of a cool idea. Change the spread. 
But anyway, I mean, aside from the um, the, the neatness of the Miselu Nieru, which is we've covered it before. We looked at it once before, and it you know it looked all just like vaporware. But now it's sort of featuring quite heavily. Certainly in the Google I/O, there were a number of apps running, and this app here is actually an officially made Korg app, which kind of makes the light bulbs go off for me because remember Korg were first on the Nintendo DS platform. They were first to have a, a decent musical instrument uh, kind of app on iOS, or at least, you know, one of the bigger manufacturers to jump. So does this herald a kind of a, a wider and more interesting kind of move towards Android as a potential platform for this kind of thing? Dave Spears, you're looking away as if it means nothing to you. <laughs> Are you ready to start developing for a new platform? No. Whatever just... not. Surely it's a massive, it's ma- the massive potential. Let's do loads. Every platform on the entire planet we're going to develop. No, um, I don't know. I just couldn't. I couldn't get excited about any of this. I did look at it as much as I could bear to, and <laughs> it was just sort of something that I kind of. I don't know. It was all a bit sort of slick and I don't know, smug. I don't know. It wasn't smug. Oh, Gaz, you have a go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, because me and Gaz, as uh, as you probably may be aware, do the Sonic Touch show, which is uh, mm. focused on, well, we call it music for touch devices, mm. hoping that maybe something else will come along and sort of to compete with the iOS uh, platform, which is a brilliant platform for, you know, designed well for, for, this, uh, for this applications. And Android up to now just hasn't really been able to cut it. But there are some new... Um, Jelly Bean 4.1, I believe it is, isn't it? The, yeah, you see, it? even just that name kind of just made me kind of, I don't know, just almost <laughs> put me to sleep immediately. Oh, Jelly Bean. Oh. Well, what, yeah, so what? So tell me, does Snow Leopard kind of get you kind no, of... No, it doesn't. I'm ready to go. Worse. Worse. And, uh, lion. <laughs> I feel ready to code. Grr. No, I, 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 there's, there, there's this kind of theory, isn't there, that people from particular countries like names as opposed to you know product numbers and things like this. Largely because they're not that smart. Right. <laughs> I just don't know. All of the, it just kind of drives me a bit nuts. What are we talking about? Are we talking about jelly beans or are we talking about, yeah, you know, a tuna sandwich or something? I have no idea. Muffin, I think, yes. would be the next one. Yes. Come on, Gaz. Let's, let's, let's try yeah, and Gaz wrestle, let's wrestle some optimism <laughs> from, this, uh, from all this. Um, well, I mean, I thought it was interesting in as much as that... Um, the you know it, it would be great for the android devices to uh to become useful as musical devices because they just haven't been they just have not been able to do the latency low enough and i think there's a few other reasons as well i mean uh you know apple have always had that kind of thing with the core with the core audio core midi etc so um so for for developers then to be able to actually make meaningful musical devices, I think is is good and exciting. Uh, in in that, uh, you know, people often say to me, you know, I'm like some sort of Apple acolyte, and I really don't. They really annoy me. Apple do in many many ways. I think they kind of a really corporate kind of. Ugh. you know it's our way or the highway with apple yeah and, uh, what about yeah. all this uh, this news that there's going to be a different kind of connector on the iphone i said this didn't i ah! i said years ago we should have set up an april yeah. fool on this yeah. Yeah. we missed oh, our chance <laughs> and now it's reality it uh, does well uh, not yet but uh yes we'll we'll have to see how that is but yeah no uh, i agree but i i'm really personally i'm really excited because i think you know if they get this new 
and, and one thing that springs to mind for me, you know, actually what I was doing was I was showing the uh, these new Jelly Bean 4.1 has USB audio, audio record triggering, multi-channel audio and audio processing, audio chaining, media router, just stuff that kind of, you know, we've been getting with the iOS for a long time. But the yeah. fact that it's now coming to this and also yeah. there's this dedicated hardware device that, I mean, let's face it, you know, companies like Korg don't just devote, you know, a coding team to port something for a laugh. I mean, I'm wondering where perhaps they've got some sort of uh, vested interest in this Niero system and they're basically going to buy it out or co-venture or something so that it's going to come out and they'll be able to help make it mass produce and stuff because it, it seems like there's an awful lot of support behind it and it mm. wouldn't be, you wouldn't expect that from a couple of dudes in a garage, would you, really? Mm. But didn't, didn't you include that sentence in your link? Poly6 for Nero was developed by Cork to offer an example of what's possible on Mislu Nero. There are no plans to make it commercially available at this time. Yes, but that doesn't add up. That just doesn't make sense. Yes, they're saying that. That's just to stop people going, where can I buy it? Where can I buy it? Where oh, can when, I buy it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, isn't it really? It's just it's marketing sort of... Uh, no, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know I like to have a bit of a rant now and again. <laughs> <laughs> and I do hope that it all works out. But what happens with us is that we are constantly bombarded with people going, oh, support this platform, do this for this platform, support us. We've got this kind of piece of thing over here that's going to be absolutely amazing and it's going to change and revolutionise the world. Please come and do that. And actually, very few of them make it further than a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, true. <laughs> We've seen them come and go. But this one seems to have staying power. That's what's interesting to me. And I don't know what version of Android it's running or any of that kind of stuff, but there are a couple of other musical applications later on in that video on the uh, uh, Engadget mm. site that, you know, That's are showing other stuff, you know, the touchy-feely thing. I mean, a couple of people have said in the chat room, actually, that, you know, what's with all the virtual knobs on a touchscreen? I mean, it's just stupid. And I agree, but you have to put something there that represents <laughs> the instrument that you're emulating i guess in this instance so gaz let's have another go at that i mean do you think that do you, i mean what do you think about that theory that perhaps this this is might be a precursor to something big happening with korg being involved in the misolu um nope. <laughs> <laughs> well uh, yeah it's I, it's it's difficult really to guess but um because i mean the misolu I, I keep saying misolu like the dick dale song but is um it, that's had a lot of that's had a lot of investment though from Silicon Valley startup, hasn't it? There's a lot of money being put into it, so I wonder whether actually Korg have been paid to develop for it, you know, just as there is this you know big investment into it, uh, just possibly. Um, but uh, the point I was going to say a moment back, just uh, why I was quite interested about the Android side of things getting better and becoming more musically functional is that i really think that i love the open playing field uh for that people can develop great ideas very quickly um so you know and and and, and it's like a level playing field anyone anywhere in the world can then sort of create something and it become you know a commercially viable musical device now this is quite the opposite with the uh can you say it for me again the Nieru. Mieru. Um, you know, as I say, that that's had a I lot it, it, of. It's closed, isn't it? Because it's tied to hardware. But uh... yeah. Um, so I think that's you know. So I, I can kind of see two things going on there, really. Um, you know, on one hand, I'm I'm excited about things becoming more open, so developers can 
create. And that's why I'm interested. Anyway, I just I feel I needed to justify that a little yeah. bit. Okay. Why I've been interested in doing things like Sonic Touch is because I love that open creativity. Well, and it being I, I an open... say open creativity. It's still got to go through the Apple mangle, hasn't it? And if they don't like it, then that's tough. All that money and you've spent and time you've put in is, is sort of up down the span. They don't, so. they don't sort of... No, that's, they, don't they don't let something go through if they don't like it. They just check in to make sure yeah. that it's not got malware or um, yeah, you know, I suppose. Right, it's not like an A and R. I retract that statement. <laughs> yeah. Um, so sorry, I know I, I feel it's like two threads going on here at the moment, but uh, yeah. So on one hand, I think it's really exciting if the development. I mean, I don't know what the development tools are like for Android. Yeah, people. I don't think they're as nice as the Xcode and the iOS thing. I mean, I think that's something. Yeah. Else. But I mean, presumably Google are trying to encourage people to you know by making these improvements they're encouraging people to have a go you know which i think is probably not a bad thing so then maybe there will be some uh change in the uh in the development system or whatever and i don't know anything about you know if you develop on one you have to completely rewrite it for the other or whether there's any kind of uh, cross-pollination right. or not i couldn't possibly say so i mean I'd is, hope there, so. is there an equivalent to like kind of core audio and core midi with uh, with android then i mean is there like a kind of big like database of pre-existing kind of code that they can just drag in i i'm assuming that there is but uh that's a good question that i can't possibly answer but maybe <laughs> someone in the chat room will know but um uh, I, I yeah i couldn't say i mean i think what i'm interested in is the fact that there's this piece of hardware that is able to um is able to allow us to to kind of aim for something, you know, if Korg, uh, like I say, once again, if I've said, if Korg have, uh, have developed for it and there are a couple of other ones, there must be some reason for it. It's not just an incentive to have a, their stuff on a video in, uh, on a Google I.O. thing on Engadget. There must be an end game in sight. And that's what interests me. And I think, you know, the time is kind of ripe, really, for a little bit of competition here. And if, they, if, if Google can provide the platform for that, all the better, because they're a larger company and they're not likely to be sort of going the way of... Uh, of uh, um, I don't know, you know, some some of these other sort of fly by night companies, you know. So hopefully that will be a good good sign. It's just I was kind of struck by the the, the way that, like I say, it's not it's not usual for for companies like Korg to jump in and start doing stuff without a little bit more coming, you know. So maybe there will be. I don't know what the. Did anyone know what the end price is supposed to be for the Mizola? What their target price is? I mean, it looks like it looks like a lap. I mean, at the moment it looks a bit like a laptop with um, with a CX five keyboard stuck on it. But uh, let's see if I can. If I might be able to find that again. I've, I've closed that tab, but uh, yeah, there we go. There's some pictures of it here. Uh, I don't know whether or not that's the final hardware or whether it's going to be. But uh, look, I mean, it could be kind of funky. Obviously, that doesn't work because if you close the screen on that, there's a gap. Hmm. Anyway, need some knobs on. But it looks like a cool idea, and I would like to see it because I would like to actually have. They would like to, there to be an alternative. Because that'll lead to innovation. <laughs> All right, is that okay, Dave? Yeah, I guess a thumbs up from me. <laughs> right, and well, this next one um, is is along the same lines, really, because it's again a new piece of software that is 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 nearing uh, well final beta. So here we go. This, of course, is is one of the first demos they put of the um, Bitwig application which 
has more than a passing resemblance to Ableton Live, but it has some very cool other features as well. And if you get a chance to watch the video in full res, uh, I would heartily recommend it because basically what you get is, is a kind of com a combination of the linear mode of something like Logic or Sonar X1, but alongside the sort of clip um, paradigm of Ableton. And obviously there are developers involved in this project that were involved in live and I'm not sure whether just putting the file browser and stuff on the right hand side is going to be quite enough to stop them from getting uh, some legal notices from that said company but we shall see I'll just play a little bit more of this I quite like the sound of this synth in here as well I must say which is fortunate because there's a lot of it interface changes and the ability to make these enormous uh, metering and that sort of stuff. I don't know if we can go to that now to get the exact order of events. But it follows very much along from the kind of always playing, always happening kind of paradigm of live. I know, um, and the thing that really excites me about this is the fact that there's a little penguin just here, which is going mm. to signify that it's going to be available for Linux, which I think mm. could be a really massive game changer. If you consider how expensive audio workstations are, you know, as Windows dick about with uh, Windows 8 and kind of, you know, messing with the, the real-time performance aspects of that in favour of kind of uh, word processing and all that other rubbish, there may be need to be an alternative platform to Apple because for many, the Apple platform is too expensive. Whereas if you take a Linux base, you can run this on uh, all sorts of uh, base level platforms and you get massive performance out of it as they you know as as we've seen before but if they can formalize it a little more and put some a tool of this quality on it mm. then you know we could be getting somewhere pretty exciting dave spears did you have you met the bitwig guys i think i met them at uh, nam and i've been trying to get I'm, I'm trying to get them to do an interview for next week a bit like the ohm studio guys did and so i'm hoping we might be able to have a chat with them because i'm really quite interested in this it seems to combine you know bits of the two schools of door usage in, yeah, into one that. thing do you think they're going to get away with it uh do i think yeah do you know anything? Um, I mean, do you know anything more about it? I mean, do you know you, you know anything right. about the coders involved or any any of those guys? Because they're obviously smart cookies. No, I was hoping you were going to tell me more <laughs> about that. Well, I do know um, that there are a few people from Ableton involved, which has been the sort of tagline. They've been very secretive about their PR because I met them at Nam and they said, "Oh yeah, we'd love to talk to you," and then I got sort of fended off to the PR person who was like, "No, we're not. You know, we're just holding off. They're waiting to until they've got something more concrete, and obviously they just want to get it right." And looking at this, it's kind of, you know, it, it's moving in that direction. I mean, that's that looks pretty impressive. I mean, it's very, very Ableton. I mean, you can't. Mm. Yeah. You just cannot get away from that, right? Yeah. Impressive, impressive demo tune as well, actually. Yeah, no, I really. Like I, I don't know, but just, I'm totally dry and really tight. I just love the snappiness of it. Really love, yeah, I like that. I kind of put it on while I was working and... After after the, I was like, oh, hang on, what's this? What's this? What's yeah. this? Nice and bit of that started... bass drum is killer, isn't it? Bank, a nice bit of bouncy sort of house type stuff. Yeah, seven oh seven, um, <laughs> rim shot it was. Ah, uh, yeah, no, interesting. I I was a bit confused by the penguin. I thought it might be a new Apple operating system. Oh, God. Ah. <laughs> what else could it be? Yes, uh, where, where are we? Snow leopard, snow penguin. 
<laughs> Lion penguin. King penguin. Fornicating penguin. Did you see that on the BBC? It was brilliant. There was a guy, I think it was Darwin even said, you know, these penguins are just terrible. And so much so, they were completely devious when it came to fornicating that yeah. I think he wrote it in Greek or something, didn't he? Yeah, he was so ashamed. He was yeah. so appalled. <laughs> devious penguins. There's a tagline. I think I'm going to make a note of that. <laughs> devious fornicating penguins. Maybe not fornicating. That might not pass the uh, devious penguins. Okay. Um, but, I mean, it's this is one of them, Gaz. I mean, because, you know, we're big fans of, uh, of Reaper, which is a kind of open source thing. But, again, I think they really missed a trick by not concentrating on the Linux platform. I mean, I don't know if there may be a reason for this, but I think Linux is the kind of key, really, to a lot of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that is one of the big sort of headline things of uh, Bitwig, uh, especially, as you mentioned earlier, you know, people could be building specific, you know, specific... OS builds, yeah. Yeah, you know, especially for it is making it as a, you know, as um, unbloaty. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I, I've talked about this numerous times on on previous podcasts. How you know, every year Ableton Live had a new update, you know, and I think we've frozen now since two thousand and eight on uh, version eight. Um, Yes, do you think um, there's, there's, there's talk, isn't there? If Ableton 9 comes out before this does, then yeah, they you know, be stymied. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it's kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people are wondering, well, what, what is Ableton 9 going to bring to the party, you know, because uh, now Bitwig is kind of pipping them to the post with, with, uh, with this new version. But for me, one of the things I've always really enjoyed about Ableton Live is it's simple, very, very simple kind of graphical display. And... A very minimalist design and obviously bitwig is kind of copying uh well Aspects it's of that, yeah. so i mean it's so similar in so many ways in so many ways it looks but it is actually quite a lot busier than ableton live in right. in the sort of display and i wonder whether that will kind of well, the thing is the thing that's always frustrated me about ableton mm. live is the fact that I'm an I'm a, a linear door guy. You know that's where I've mm. learnt all my chops. And looking at the Ableton interface, I, I, instinctively I just cannot get my head around it because I'm so ingrained in this sort of like timeline view. And yeah. that's where. And I know you can do that in Ableton Live, but it's the integration is just not uh, obvious enough for me to be able to kind of get my head around it. I know Ableton Live is absolutely brilliant for mm. many many things, and I really like the clip launching thing. But I just I, I can't get my head around not working on the timeline. Mind you, I uh, I often work with the timeline on Ableton Live because I love, again, the simplicity of it. You know, uh, it's a bit frustrating for some things, um, but you know, if you work in your traditional kind of uh, timeline view, um, you know, Ableton Live's great. You know, it's very very quick. You can make. Uh, automations and various things yeah uh you know it's a lot less fiddly than say something like cubase but um you know i i, I but i know that a lot of people are kind of going oh bitwig looks great it's got all these extra bits and bobs. I mean, do, do you think actually what it is, bitwig is kind of this is what nine should be well i was wondering that at first but now i'm kind of thinking it's what a lot of people have been looking for which is that kind of combination of fl studio and ableton live um there was some poll recently i think maybe it was on um tech radar or something like that uh, of the the most popular doors right now 
and FL Studio was number one. And now, I think that I think, was on Synthtopia, wasn't it? He did a, yeah, a it made it Synthtopia. And, um, you know, and I think previously Ableton Live had, had been holding that number one spot for a long time or something. And um, people attributed uh, the, the popularity of dubstep as to why that may be the case. Um, so I was kind of thinking, ooh, a lot of FL Studio users are going to be looking at Bitwig thinking, this is good. Um... But, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely... Well, I, I can see that. There is a left... Uh, the, the, the whole kind of dark grey kind of vibe is definitely appealing I, to that. I think and, that's what I was kind of seeing, really. Yeah. But uh, also, you know, uh, all the controls, it's displaying, like, lots of little controls and stuff on there as well, um, uh, which brought to mind FL Studio to Per me. note automation, clip automation. Mm-hmm. Simultane- uh, one thing I did see, there were co- I wrote a couple of things down that I saw. There were some really nice... Uh, uh aspects to it that i saw uh the bitwig demo there was yeah the, like the merging of timeline and clip launch concept the metering yeah. the layering of midi edits was quite cool as well i like the fact that you can you're in midi edit and then you can switch on other tracks to join it so if say for instance yeah. if you're the sort of person that likes to have kick snare hat and you know things on separate tracks where you can mm. you can switch them on and bring them all together mm. easily whereas in Very other nice. ones it's not quite as i'm sure other things do that but it's not quite as obvious, perhaps, as they've made it here, which is just kind of quite cool. Mm. So, I mean, but, you know, I think, it's, I think it's interesting. I mean, I remember when uh, PreSonus brought out Studio One and people were going, do we really need another one? And uh, uh, But that seems to have done reasonably see, well. Yeah, I mean, there is a need. I mean, PreSonus are, are flying. You know, it, mm. they've sort of almost been the uh, Dorian Gray to uh, Apple. <laughs> Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, that, that, there's that relationship. They've grown as as Avid has kind of uh, shrunken or failed in the mm. consumer, you know, mm-hmm. side of things. So yeah, that's quite interesting. Um, I just think that the Linux thing is going to really blow the roof off it all. And, and you know, who knows? I mean, what happens if at Live Nine, part of what they do, they port it to Linux? That would be pretty awesome. Mm. Pretty awesome. I don't know if that's likely to be the case. That would be a nightmare to try and support mm-hmm. another platform. I guess, wouldn't it? Yeah, this but it's I... quite simple, didn't it? Sorry. This still looked relatively simple. I think that was some of the appeal because Fruity Loops on the surface is quite simple. But the problem always seems to come is that when you get users kind of going, oh, I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this. And then all of a sudden, you know, after, after several iterations, things just become really bloated. And I think mm-hmm. people want to go back to simplicity to a certain degree. Well, there yeah. are some more things uh, scheduled to come online. Um, it says coming up in version. Oh, I've got to pull this down here. That Coming up. After the 1.0 release, we've got. Oh, I have to. I don't know if I can do that. I have to. My window's a little bit. There's. Uh, where's that then? Coming up. No, I don't seem to be able to. <laughs> Down the bottom. I saw it. Yeah, I can't seem to scroll that into my uh, my my screen capture window. Features coming up are. Uh, there's a sort of modular environment. There's multi-user session jamming. Uh, mul- you know all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be interesting what they add but you know all these kind of additional things are going to bloat it up no doubt but i i the, like i say the thing that's really thrilling me is the idea that it's going to be on linux and i think that's going to because i mean you know you can take your crappy old laptop or the one that you think is no longer powerful enough to run the enormous bloatware that you currently use and you'd probably be able to run this on that because you just strip out all it because of the nature of the system. I'm trying to remember. There's there's the guys. Uh, there's I should I should mention them, but they they do um, sort of Linux in a box 
for audio and they sell that on netbooks and what have you and they're great guys i forget the name of the company it's terrible i, sh- I should i should try and uh, look them up but um they've been doing that for a while so there might be a time with this where they can provide machines that are just custom built for bitwig and you just you're good to go you know because that's the thing that's missing it's still kind of clunky it's not the same interface that you'd expect from the more advanced uh gui os's like windows and um and the mac os as well but yeah uh, the demo is approaching uh sorry the the, the beta is approaching uh you can sign up um i think they're running out of uh of slots there but i'm guessing that must mean you know this year hopefully we'll be uh we'll be getting there so yeah windows mac and linux let's hear it introducing bitwig studio yes uh, and hopefully like mm-hmm. i say we'll be able to get um somebody from bitwig on to just to chat to us about it and kind of give us a little bit more insight because it's hard to see from that video that the, the really cool stuff and um, because uh I'm too busy nodding to the tunes, <laughs> which is very shallow of me, of course. Right, what was next? Oh, there's. I think we've got one last um, uh, topic, which is from uh, Kiwi Steve, who I can't see in the chat room. I don't know what time it is, but Kiwi Steve is one of our more long-time listeners. We met at NAMM, lovely chap. His son makes amazing guitars as well. And uh, he sent this uh, live modular performance of a 1200 HP modular, which uh, you just have to check this out. It's insane. This is by a chap called Greg Wilson, um, who's got uh, a very uh, uh, minimalist approach to uh, interior design. It's, it looks like a work of art he's got installed there. It's, in fact, if you notice, the colours of the, behind it are uh, oscillating as well, which is really cool. And this is a live performance he's made uh, using this massive, I mean, lud- I don't know, it must be worth 20, 30 grand, that, just in, kind of, in terms of real-time price using various modules and various simultaneous parts. He's then recorded the audio separately, uh, but in real time as the performance, and then mixed it in post later. But So this is all kind of happening now as the video is being recorded, or at least uh, that's what we're told. And there's just some great stuff in here. There's just tons of feedback loops. There's some really just... There's a great breakdown there later on. What sounds like a sort of plucked guitar? That's great. But surely there is um, living proof that it is possible to finish (laughs) something on a modular synthesizer. (laughs) Um, Even though it is actually uh, only of the moment. Gaz, that give you any more uh, more desire for modular stuff? I, I, I... I did like it. I thought it was really cool. Um, so possibly. Uh, uh, nice uh, nice video as well. Just uh, quite inspiring to watch, really. Um, yeah, great. But it, it is nice to see something like that, though, which is just musical as opposed to sort yeah, of... Yeah, just noodling, just an noodling. arpeggio. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And mm. obviously, he's got such a lot of capabilities there for doing stuff. I don't know exactly yeah. what was going on there, but... 
but I, I, yeah, I enjoyed that. And I must admit, I mean, I kind of got back into doing some modular stuff when I was just reviewing the Arturia Mini Brute, which I would normally have here and be playing with, but it had to go straight back before I went on holiday, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and just the ability to be able to put that in front of the monorocket case and patch it up, and then there it all is, coming all together into one system with a, a keyboard. Bloody genius, I have to say. <laughs> I really, uh, I think they're going to have, if they can get the enough of a made and they keep the quality control up, because that's always the problem when you mass produce something analog like that, then they're going to have a big hit on their hands with that. But yeah, modular stuff is, I, I, it made me think, oh, I must get some more stuff in for review. Really, really enjoyed that. Dave Spears, got room for one of those in your room? I, oh, I, I think we can make room, can't we? I reckon <laughs> on the ceiling. That's what I was thinking, especially with that kind of pulsing light behind it. I could put it on the ceiling and I could stand up and go like this quite a lot. <laughs> Yeah, there's room. Brilliant. I thought it was brilliant. Great video. Like you say, musical. Musical instead of noodling. But I love watching somebody like Bob Williams at NAM and stuff. That's like performance art to me. This big burly bodybuilder making these really delicate little adjustments. There's something really graceful about it. Yeah, and he's... I wonder how long it took to set up because, I mean, the composition of that thing, I mean, a lot of it was done, it seemed to me, I mean, I couldn't tell exactly, with just fading things in and out of mixer modules, which is... uh, Mixer modules are the way to go. Certainly when I was doing the Arturo review, I was mixing CVs to be able to kind of, you know, do the envelope or this or that, or, you know, taking an LFO to modulate something or an envelope or whatever and that i just love all of that it's it's great and i think that's the key and fortunately they are amongst the cheapest of modules to purchase for your modular system <laughs> so I so is that like a euro rack system yeah it's a 1200 okay. hp euro rack system so i know it looks like what it's about i don't know uh i have to play i have to play it again it looks like it's about eight feet wide Chris, can I have a Euro rack system? <laughs> <laughs> but there's some lovely stuff in there. I mean, I mean, each of those modules, you know, we're talking about two, three hundred euros each, really. I mean, apart from the mixer modules, as I've said. Um, but yeah, great, absolutely great, brilliant. And uh, modular is definitely. Uh, I, I want to do some more modular stuff because that's just inspired me to do it. Although I haven't got enough of it to be able to pull off something like that. I obviously need more. Um, and obviously my lack of doing reviews has resulted in lack of um, people offering to send stuff to be able to be review. And it's always been a bit of a problem actually getting, because um, these are very small boutique manufacturers in a lot of cases. So it's quite hard to kind of get them to to, to send stuff out because they just don't have the stock or the, or the product. So yeah, I'm going to... Oh, Puckatronic says in the chat room, some of the modules he saw in there are five to six hundred pounds each yeah some of the the, the, the complex stuff the tip top pressure sensitive and the zdsp are going to be a lot more expensive but works kind of yeah oh, i just i do like that stuff did you get a chance to check out the uh, artoria dave i know you're not a massive fan of the company but i have to say they've I, they've I done did... a great job on this actually great job on this yeah no i think it's the best thing they've ever done frankly it's the, the only thing they've done that interests me boom boom tish no um, I'm, I'm i'm totally with you i mean their software is you know while it's served a purpose it's never kind of lit my you know let set any light bulbs off whereas this just really kind of they it's very cleverly designed and that uh, i think Yves Usson, who's the, the the main sort of electronics boffin behind it has just anything where he's gone oh we haven't got enough money to make that he's come up with an alternative you know, and that's what's so brilliant, I think, about it. it. It'll do stuff if you think about it, but it won't do it with its own dedicated knob. So it's some nice, nice functions there. 
Yeah, it's gonna it'll, it'll sell tons. It's it's. I think it's one of those products. Right, right product, right place, right yeah. time, right price. Yeah, just totally. everything. You know. Does I I I um I. Oh, you... Chris has come back with an answer. Going no, do some work. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, I have actually got a uh, spare modular case here. If you would like to uh, just try out some. Uh... I want the synthesizers.com, the eighty-eight one. Uh, big yeah. 88 in well, fact he's just sent it through saying you can have one of these but i think he means a module from it and in fact it's too big the moog replica thing you know ah uh, no i haven't seen that the uh, it's just massive it's yeah just, well will's got like, will's got a really big uh synthesizers.com system penis um, envy yeah <laughs> but he's also got some moog um Oh, what are they? The fifty five. Oh, I saw those down at Neil Perry's place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they're not actually they're the they're the Moog ones that were made not by Moog. Do you know what I mean? They're the ones that yeah. were made by the British, but they still sound bloody great. And yeah. that's the difference. I mean, you you know, but again, I'm and that's well anyway, we could wax on about that sort of stuff. They sound so massively huge, the problem is with the, the Moog stuff is you can't fit them in anywhere. You know, you're pushing everything out. Say that again. They sound so massively huge. What sounds so massively huge? Moog. I did. I said it right. Yeah. First time ever. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, Dave. It's just that I'm feeling synthesizer peer pressure, quite possibly. <laughs> peer pressure and penis envy. <laughs> I think it's because you said that word that I, I had to say Moog somehow. I don't know. Uh, yes, yeah, like contagious. Moog envy. Brilliant. Moog <laughs> same, envy. There you go. Same thing. Well, I'd say definitely Arteria have got Moog envy. Yeah. Oh, well, there's no doubt. But yeah, no, really good. Uh, uh, bit of modular action, and I want to see more of that. And I think, and I'm hoping that uh, Arturo will kind of show the way, really, because that will allow all you need is a little box, you put a couple of modules in it, and you've kind of got integration straight away. I'll Lovely come idea. Up a bit poly brute, there'll be a blooming. You think? Yeah, yeah. How the hell are you going to be able to make a poly brute? Oh, no, somebody said that they're, they're waiting in the review. There's been some comments saying uh, maxi brute. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, which would need more oscillators, I think, because well, that's been one of the criticisms so far, is like, oh, it's not a pro- proper synth, it hasn't got more than one oscillator, and it's like, yeah, right. Eh? Exactly. SH-09, SH-101. Sorry? Arpax. Uh, yeah, exactly. Rubbish, I isn't it? that wasn't a proper synth. So are they, are they available to buy now, then? Because the, uh, the... I tried to get one, I tried to buy one when I was in France, uh, the um, Mini Brutes. Mini Brutes, yeah. Um, I think there are a few coming in. It's not it's trickling. I mm-hmm. suspect, um, as is often the case with something that has so many discrete electronics in it, that the quality control on the manufacturer side is the hardest thing to get right. So they're probably, you know, the, 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 and this isn't this isn't something that's peculiar to Arturia. Any manufacturer that is starting to build for mass production has probably got some aspect of it happening in China, and you've got to be really on top of that sort of thing to make sure that the quality of the stuff coming through is, yeah. you know, you're not throwing fifty percent of them away because that means yeah. you know the people who ordered the stuff are going, hold on a minute, you know, you've seen it, you've seen it all the way down the line, you've seen it with your, um, what's the thing that you're waiting for as well, Cuneo, the Cuneo, you know, there's probably they're just problems that have to be solved, and it's always mm. a, the scaling of manufacturing is a real fine art, and it's very hard to get right, and mm. you sort of notice about it because you know it's like I don't know if you have uh, the same uh scenario that i have with uh, my my lovely partner so i've got a great i could make those and uh, maybe this shop could sell them i said yeah but how many could you knit in a week if they said yeah we'll take them nationally can we have five million of them a year please (laughs) then you know the scaling of it is the is the problem and it just Mm -hmm. you know that's the way it goes isn't it you just so i wish them every luck and i think it's going to be but i think it's going to be a great um a great product for them uh possibly 
Cuneo next week. Oh, really? Email, yeah. So oh, the week I'm after looking that. forward to that. I'm really so, looking forward to that. I, I, I can't wait to see it. And, yeah. Uh, there's some really interesting stuff happening in the iPad world, just to put a, a plug in for the uh, Sonic Touch. Uh, we've got Aurea has been submitted for um, uh, for uh, um, approval process. So that's going to be coming on stream probably in the next 10 days a week. Wow. That's, that's the that's the you know multi-track audio recorder um, editor that, you know, had the, the, with the... Plugin architecture Plug-in support. Yeah, is this the one that professes to have some kind of VST support? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, uh, who's the company that are making stuff? For Wave Lab Arts. Wave Lab Arts and um, uh, oh. PSP are making PSP. stuff for them. Yeah, they've got and uh, Fab Filter as well. Really, that'll be interesting. Interesting stuff. So interesting times. And there's a lot of things that I would like to check out. There's also the new yes, failed Museo in Akai Synth Station app version three is now available too. Want to check that? Yes, very nice. That is, I've just got that yesterday, and uh, I think that the synth station wasn't really uh, particularly an iPad friendly, well, not an iPad device before, but the uh, the new version. Uh, just looking in for it here is excellent. It's really good. It's a uh, oh, brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, stuff to look forward to. We'll try and schedule a new show uh, when uh, our schedules allow, and. Uh, I don't know if you can see. We've now got. You've seen our new backdrop, Gaz. Have you? Can you can you hear the fact that the room is so much deader? It's oh. amazing. We, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. We bought this. Uh, we we've been looking for ages. This is probably fairly tedious for those of you who aren't into video or anything. But <laughs> we bought this. Um, you can't really see it there because the lights are all off. Hold on a minute. I'm going to do something quickly. <laughs> we bought this new backdrop, which we found that you can get in a three meter drop that comes in length. So we managed to buy ten meters of it. Yeah. Let me just go and check it out. I'll switch a light on, and you can see. Which uh, obviously right now there's a green screen up there because we've been doing some experimenting with green screen. Oh, I have to get my white balance right because I've gone red again. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, back there, over that side, all the way round and all the way up there is one piece of cloth. Finally, and yeah. it's it's quite heavy, so it's much deader. Sorry, I seem to. There we go. That's better. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to to trying that out. And uh, and we shot uh, a piece of God. It's still very red. Shot a piece of video with uh, Laura Scude, who's uh, been on tour with Kanye West. Gaz uh, very kindly did the uh, did the honours while I was away on the interview front. God, I oh, got did you? My, my, oh, cool. Look at my she hit me up while she was over here um, via Tara. Yeah, and I never got a chance to hook up. I was really hoping Jesus, we could. Look at the colour of my head. That's just amazing. That white balance has got to be sorted out. Come on. It's <laughs> just got. It's like. <laughs> instead of the blue man group it's the red man group it's the green behind it's trying to make, that's amazing i look like i'm actually i'm on scan i'm a scanner and i'm about to explode <laughs> anyway that's it for this week uh i'm much uh, much enjoyment and uh, uh thanks for <laughs> thanks everybody and so interesting times and um we shall see you all very soon i want to say thank you very much to gaz williams whose video is frozen but in oh. a kind of uh in in, in a you're, you're looking like a kind of thinking and ponderous way you know in, in a good <laughs> way but um and i can see your your conservatory behind you there so thanks very much and i'm glad okay. the rain has held off gaz williams songsurgeon.co.uk okay thank you very much and also we got dave spears over there in um in that neck of the woods at uh, g4 central uh, yeah getting close to- we were oh. going to try and release something today but we didn't because we thought oh, we could sneak it through on the 4th of july 
Uh, oh, is this the um, kind of... uh, is the rack extensions? Is that all? Yeah. Ah, excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're so, so, so close. It's really exciting. Brilliant. So. Chris's, so uh, that two and a half hours it takes, they say, to port anything over to the propeller head side. You've just been doing it like a couple of minutes a day, presumably. A couple of minutes a day. God, I wish. <laughs> um, yeah. No, uh, it's, it was submitted to the um, propeller heads guys today for their approval. So, yeah, with a bit of luck, you know, early next week. It's Brilliant. this 3D graphics thing, man. It just takes, it's mental. Yeah. Mental, mental. But, yeah, no, really exciting. We're kind of, yeah, a bit stoked by it, actually. Great. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. I'm going to play us out with a little bit more of... Uh, what's his face? Uh, <laughs> Greg Wilson's brilliant modular piece. So thanks once again. That's it. Oh, Jesus, look at me now. <laughs> it's 38 degrees. You've got a bit of sunburn there, boy. I'll tell you what, it's really <laughs> hot in France. I, I've been in hospital since I got back. I've just kind of burnt all over. Well, <laughs> <laughs> just just from here up. Oh, really yeah, I'm going to fix that uh, white balance because I'm just getting a bit sick of looking like this, frankly. What is it? An auto white balance? Yeah, thing? it's on the camera. Um, it's the Logitech camera, which has got a great, it's a great image, but there's no um, built-in driver control in the auto white balances. So because there's so much black and then green, it's just compensating massively. But if I do this, if I put if I put white behind me, do you see what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's like, I could pulsate, couldn't I? How funny. That's really terrible. I should have put that in the show, really, shouldn't I? Pulsating tomato. <laughs> <laughs>